The beauty of the trees, the softness of the air, the fragrance of the grass speaks to me. The summit of the mountain, the thunder of the sky, the rhythm of the sea speaks to me. The faintness of the stars, the freshness of the morning, the dewdrop on the flower speaks to me. The strength of fire, the taste of salmon, the trail of the sun, and the life that never goes away, they speak to me, and my heart soars. That's Chief Dan George. And I think about our youth that are living on the street, that have never really had the opportunity to go to home to community to feel that. You know, wouldn't that be wonderful if we can get our message, our media, technology, for all of the messaging and all the work that we do to speak to our youth in the way that Chief Dan George wanted us to. You're listening to One Feather, Two Pens. Lessons and stories from Indigenous peoples building and navigating digital sovereignty. A special series on What's That Noise? On this journey of One Feather, Two Pens, we've had the unique privilege to be able to talk to Matt and Mary, who are the directors before Love on Netflix. We've been asking a lot of questions about indigeneity, and we've been asking a lot of questions about digital indigeneity along the way. Something that For Love does so successfully is gives us insight into the plight and the promise of indigeneity from coast to coast to coast, and perhaps even a glimpse into where technology tends to and tends not to intersect with those lived experiences. And so we're very, very grateful to have you on the show today, Matt and Mary. I want to take just a moment to say welcome, Mary T.G. and Matt Smiley, to to this podcast. And and as we open this up and create a good space for this conversation, I just want to take a moment to um, present a, a land acknowledgement and a hello to all of our listeners uh, across uh, all of uh, all of Turtle Island, and acknowledge that we all are working in. Um, uh, in some indigenous traditional territory, wherever we are today, across the country and across North America. Here in Victoria, a quick shout out and acknowledgement to the Songhees and Esquimalt uh, folks, the Lekwungwin-speaking people on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish, where I have the good fortune to work and play and, and raise my family. And take a moment just to acknowledge that uh, all of the uh, Indigenous people out there uh, in wherever they are and whatever they're doing, uh, hands up and just a recognition of, of the history and our unique relationship in this country with Canada and with the United States and how us as Indigenous folks continue to work hard, do the heavy lifting, as my grandfather says, to lift our people up and find space to have conversations that will allow our people to continue to survive and thrive in this, in this modern age uh, in a way that uh, embraces those, those, those cultural histories and those teachings and those, that ancestral voice. That, uh, that allows us to, to be who we are and do the good work uh, that we're doing. Mary and Matt, give you a moment just to say hello, and then we'll get right into it. Hello. Hello, and thank you so much for having us, too. I'm really excited about this dialogue. Yeah, it's great to have you both. Thank you so much again for taking the time and the space to have a conversation with us. How have your pathways through the advocacy and the filmmaking and the work that you do informed or shaped your own concepts of identity as Indigenous people and as someone who works uh, with Indigenous people? I guess because I, um, I don't know any other way to be. I'm just Indigenous. Everything I do is my Indigenous pathway. I am Gixan and Carrier. I come from Tapla Nation. My hereditary name is uh, Maushim Gabu, White Wolf. So I am 
I am Gixan and Carrier. I am Indigenous, and I think uh, my, um, the, you know, doing this film and doing the advocacy work, I think it's it's something that I that I was that I had to do. My parents raised us. Uh, you know, they were the ones that, um, and they moved off of their lands when my sister was a bit older. There's seven of us, and they did that so that we can get a, a secular education. So it was important for them not not only for us to get an education, but it was also important for them that we also knew our knew our our ways, our traditions, our customs, our, our language as much as we could. Um, so one of the things my father would always say is, you know, basically that old adage that came from the Kennedys: "Too much that is given, much is expected." Uh, there was no other way, no other path in my life other than to help my people. I knew that whatever I did in the world, I traveled in the world, I lived elsewhere in the world, I would always come home. So it's ingrained in me. My father comes from a line of chiefs. My mother is hereditary chief. I come from a long line of chief. And one of the the main role to be hereditary chief is to ensure the survival of the tribe, to take care of the lands. And so in that, part of that is the absolute uh, protection of who we are as Indigenous people. Uh, we have to make sure that everything that um, we're teaching our youth, that we learn ourselves, the way that we conduct ourselves, is founded in our indigeneity. You know, I, I think this is why all of the work that I've done in the various fields is to ensure that, uh, for example, uh, early childhood, I'm the president of the BC Aboriginal Child Care Society. And so we have to ensure that everything that we're teaching is coming from, has an indigenous foundation, that we can't be raising little white kids. Um, you know, we have to make sure that they're, they're, they're learning their traditions and customs. And so that's the importance of that. And that's to ensure that the survival of us as indigenous people. So I think my pathways has always been there. It's in my DNA. That's awesome. Matt, you've had a lot of experience uh, in this space working with Mary and, and communities. What's what's your what's your thoughts on uh, on uh, on that experience and your key messages or or takeaways, if you'd like, based on navigating uh, that space? Well, I think for me, you know, it, it well, number one, it's been one of the biggest blessings in my life. But I think it all kind of happened almost by accident. And I say by accident, maybe there was a reason for everything to happen. Um, when we had first started working on Highway of Tears together, um, I really didn't know what I was getting into. It started with just an idea. And for me, as a, as a young white youth growing up in Montreal, I certainly had a lot of, um, you know, in, ter in terms of family life, it wasn't always that stable. So I've always searched out to, to, find family to find friends and really that community and there's one thing that mary's always repeated over the years in terms of like you know your your community really does make you and especially in the case for indigenous youth it's like you know the community can take care of their children for me you know one of the one of the biggest things is is really watching over the last even 10 years uh it's almost like a rocket ship in terms of watching how powerful and 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 connected, especially when we talk about technology, it's really opened up a realm, especially in the north where the first things for us on, on Highway of Tears was lack of communication, lack of, uh, of resources to get information flowing. And, and I feel like we're, we're still 
in those early stages. Um, but, but once we had the success with Highway of Tears and really started talking about our new project for love, you know, we did notice, Mary and I, and there's certainly other places, that, that technology has helped so much. And, right. and I think also that inner strength that, that a lot of indigenous youth and, and people do have is really starting to resonate everywhere kind of across the world and, and even here in los angeles where i felt there was there was a little bit of uh you know the, a little bit behind in terms of embracing that and now you know i was really happy to go to santa monica film festival the other day and see that they had films program they had mm. Kwana chasing horses film and really just empowering youth and and for me that's that's cool and 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 it shows like you know people like mary and also yourselves empowering youth i'm seeing how strong that is now and and i i think there's there's nothing nothing better and for me i'm just happy to kind of be a, you know play a small part in that the you know uh indigenous people despite all efforts and attempts to kind of extinguish us are still here and in, in our current and future digital states if you like whatever however you want to frame that that kind of world that we're kind of needing to navigate now could be another deconstructive force, right? If we're not careful, if, if Indigenous folks aren't taking leadership role and owning that kind of space. And then the fields and the spaces you both work in, uh, particularly in film and media, how are you seeing Indigenous people and communities adapt? Uh, and what does the possible future look like? And, and is that evolving in a way that, that you're seeing um, a renaissance? I, Matt, I think that's what you've indicated, right? That, that there's, a, there's an embracing of this technology to help to, to, to kind of convey and communicate who we are and why we are and what we are. Um, how, are how are you seeing, how are you seeing that, uh, how are you seeing that play out? Well, first and foremost is kind of realize and, and, and seeing kind of on a daily basis the work that people like Mary have been doing in terms of pressuring not only government, but businesses as well to really kind of put their money where their mouth is. But it's also giving the youths and, and others the opportunity to have access to these tools, to put cameras in their hands. You know, I know there were some programs that Mary's working on years ago with, with TELUS, and it's like just getting whatever technology is available to there. I know there's a moment when we were up in Nunavut uh, where one of the young youths talks about, you know, expressing themselves on TikTok. And, and you know, it's just to be able to access when you're in one of the most remote places in the world and to just share your story authentically, true to who you are and not have to mask it in any other way and realize that people really like gravitate towards it and it empowers them. I think we're really, you know, uh, that to me is a, is a huge success formula. And I think we're just starting to scratch the surface there and watching some really powerful indigenous storytellers too and, and watching that shift. It's like even with Mary and I's work together, I know she's been predominantly a, a writer over the years and, and then morphing into this, you know, filmmaker with, with a powerful voice and just really curious to see all these stories that she's also, you know, absorbed over the years. So to me, just that compounded all over, you know, Turtle Island, I think it's going to be, it's going to be some really interesting stories. Yeah, I think uh, indigenous TikTok is quite a thing. I, I have to admit, I've only kind of touched the the periphery of that, but it <laughs> seems like just like an amazing kind of space for for our people to take some real ownership and be authentic in that, in yeah. who they are and, and what they want to share. And I, 
I, uh, in some respect, I wish I was a decade younger, perhaps, or a couple decades younger. <laughs> I might, I might be able to actually use that space. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah, to hope for anyone. Mary, help me with with the pronunciation because I want to make sure I get it right. Lachibu. As a proud member of that of that Wolf Clan, and as an executive director, and and as a as someone with a hereditary chief lineage and and responsibilities there, and and a really future forward looking kind of perspective, I think that is is so focused on lifting our people up. Uh, what what role does do you see leadership and and other folks in similar positions like yours in terms of guiding our our path forward in this digital space? There's there's a lot to be said in, in that, that question. And there's something that you stated earlier, Lawrence, that I think really resonated with me is that, you know, if we don't take the leadership and guide this, you know, this digital place for Indigenous people, you know, we're just going to be sort of pan-Indian or just, you know, non-Indigenous uh, looking. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing I'll tell you, like, as you know, like our people, we're still here because we've been adapting. Regardless of what has happened to us, our atrocious, the, the atrocities that um, occurred to our people, we were able to adapt to the modern day to ensure that we're still Indigenous and to protect our people and to protect our children and our youth. Like that is at the core of who we are. So when we think how we adapt to the world, like the digital age is absolutely adapting. We really saw that through COVID. And we also saw the pickup of Facebook, as I said, the two Facebook in our communities is that we're able Mm. to adapt. Um, That's how we, that's how we're, that's how we survived. And that's how, that's why we're still able to, able to celebrate. We also can't forget who we are as indigenous people, because Mm. we are all storytellers. Everything about us is we're, we're oral people. And storytellers. So, you think about all the myths, or the myth, the the legends, the myths, everything that we've we that is core to who we are. We have our adah in our language. You know that's 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 our stories and the ways of being. We have our governance structures. We have all of these that that comes through our stories. So, uh, innately, we are we're, we're poised to be the leaders in the digital digital age. We also have oh, the way that we, we view things is very different. The way that we see the world is very different. And so we may be utilizing the modern technology, but the way that we view things, the way that we see the world mm. comes from our ancestors. Yeah, We have, um, you know, when my mom tells a story about, oh, your great grandmother. And then I realized when she's telling the stories, I'm like, mom, that would be like in the 1300s. It's not just like something that happened like 100 years ago, mom, you're talking about, you know. So I think when you think about those stories coming to, to life in the modern, in, in digital media, like that is us adapting, which and it's really, really exciting. And of course, you know, the our, our people on Instagram and, and TikTok and Facebook. But more than that, I think the importance of, as leaders, we have to ensure that there's a space there. We have to ensure that there's the infra- infrastructure there. So I think when we're negotiating, like our leaders are negotiating, the, the chiefs are coming into leadership, that they, they have to think about that because it is essential to who we are and to the survival of our people is that communication. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, at Carriage County Family Services, you know, we worked on this for, for um, decades to actually have telehealth, for example. Uh, we, you know, we have we had to make sure that the servers were there. We had to make sure all the infrastructures were there in our most remote communities. We are probably the best example of um, primary care, primary health care in Canada, if not in the world. We have the, some of the best um, doctors and specialists that are actually provide service directly to my community and we're remote very remote. So 
you know, just the use of uh, digital uh, media, all of the technology. It's an exciting time to, to be in this space. But we have to ensure, you know, those um, that we're using it in, in a good way. We do know, for example, uh, you know, I was part of the research, uh, a research project that talked about, um, in, that talked about, <clears throat> I was a, a part of a research project at UNBC with Dr. Um, Omalara uh, and Dr. Sarah DeLeo heading that up. And one of the things we, we know is that the, the negative impacts um, of residential school of colonization really, really flourish in a, in, a, in, a, in a social media digital space. So we really have to ensure that we are protecting our youth in that way. And so the research that we did, uh, uh, we looked at um, what, what the youth themselves are saying and where there is a way that we could use that space in a positive way to teach languages, to teach the culture, to, to do all this good work. There's also the other way where there is a lot of lateral violence, where they're seeing themselves not as a indigenous, what is beautiful to an indigenous person, but rather what is uh, beautiful from a popular culture. If you look at modesty, there are certain things that how I was raised. Um, and then you look at what is uh, acceptable in this day and age. There's no way that my, I would have ever in a million years would my mother or my grandmother or my, I would ever allow me to walk out the way that I see these little kids <laughs> walking out at 10 years old, 11 years old. Like, what are they wearing? No, there's no way. But that that's the influence of um, social media. It's peer pressure times a million, you know? And so I really feel for our young people there's so much, but it, as leaders, we have to make sure that those safety mechanisms um, are in place. Mary, um, something you and I have in common is that we're both trained in communication studies. And so I, I yes. suspected that Marshall McLuhan is somebody that may have resonated with you. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about medium as the message. And when I hear you talking about uh, protection and security, but also nurturing and progression, I wonder... What, what does indigenous tech mean to you? When we talk about TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, we are talking about colonial platforms that can be re-engineered potentially, that can have spaces that are facilitated that can be reclaimed and redeployed in certain ways. But in your experience, and this isn't an exclusive question to Mary, I intend this for Matt as well. What does indigenous tech look like to you? I think if you think about this, and again, I'm talking about how adapting we were. Like if you imagine, say we didn't have residential school, I would say that first. And we didn't have the adverse, the horrible impacts of, of colonization. I think how far we would have progressed as indigenous people in the technology field. I think we would have been mind melding already. We would have had empaths or something. We would have done, we would have already had AI a long time ago uh, that, that could do the work for us because we're that smart. I would have had like three robots. Come on, I'm like a queen. This is what you would do. That's what we would have done had we not been... Um, had we not, so I think that yeah, for sure. Like I think the uh, the indigenous technology, how would that look like? I, I think um, it definitely would have that place for for humor. We 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 obviously have like our yes, indigenous yes. humor is, is hugely important. I mean, we we have the, we're we're across Canada, and, and I like you know when Matt and I went across Canada, but you know in, in my work over the years, that that's one thing I will give you that there are certain things that's common with all our people. You know, we all like to give nicknames. And and they're the worst nicknames. It's like if you're if you're 
if you're worried about something about yourself, they, they'll give you that nickname, you know, like if you, I don't know, like it's for me, it's like I have a bigger forehead. So my, like my brothers are like, oh, eight head instead of forehead. Like they're like, oh, she's eight. it's horrible. Like it's almost horrible, but you just laugh. You just sort of come, come to it. So you have this whole comedic place, but I think in, in indigenous technology, um, it, it definitely like it, it has to be, uh, as I said, there has to be safety p- places. There has to be what, what we're doing now, you know, the language is, is really important. And I, and I do see a lot of uh, good um, tech there for languages. You know, we have first voices that really yeah. needs to be, I think, upgraded and done better um, and more user friendly. Um, I think there has uh, there would be more translations, um, immediate translations uh, within the parliament buildings right there should mm-hmm. be the that that should be the the language so if you're in in Gixan territory and you have government it should be an automatic translation if you have leaders that are speaking in Ottawa uh, it should be Anishinaabeg automatic translation so there's certain things I think that we can look at but I think when it comes to um to film and uh the, the way that uh, that we're expressing ourselves I I really I, I think I I see a, a way that uh, we can make it um uh, easier for our young people to tell the stories and we need to make it easier definitely for our elders to capture to capture their stories so they're not so afraid and and uh you know like i was saying that some of our our elders now are, are learning how to use a computer but how could we make mm-hmm. that easier and, and gentler for them so i think that's what, what we'd have to have like the, the principles of what indigenous technology would look like Think about this too, you know, like the old, um, uh, you know, the sort of stereotype, oh, if you take a picture, you steal my soul. There, mm. there is something in that because definitely one of the things when we take a think about our holistic, well, holistic well-being is that spirituality. How do we ensure spirituality resonates within technology? Yeah. I, I, and just a little story, like with, through COVID, I knew when that was coming down and my mother, although she is very indigenous, very spiritual, and like it's because she's got her indigenous spirituality. She's also Catholic. I mean, that's how they were raised, many of them. Yeah. So she says, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. I'll pray to any, every God to make sure my kids are safe. So she does, <laughs> she's Catholic. She does. So anyway, so it was, it was, uh, if you remember COVID happening just before March, before spring. So having the ability, you know, we were organizing, getting the ability for the priest to do a virtual mass um, for mm. Sunday, Easter Sunday, which was hugely important for our people. Uh, we actually had to get, we had to try to get a special a special allowance from, I don't know, the bishop or the governor of the church, I don't know, whatever they're called, to actually do that Sunday Mass virtually because it was so new. So there's ways that we can we can do, I think, uh, include the spirituality in, in some way. Because it's been conveyed to me through my mentors who are, who are chiefs and elders in our community that the technology has really caught up with the indigenous way of, of doing business, right? In the sense that it's, it's, some, it's in many respects as a reflection of that oral kind of sharing and storytelling where uh, you have this whole kind of space where you can have these conversations and everyone can bear witness to that. So it's really important that that's done um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a good way, in a responsible way, I think, to your point earlier, too much that is given, much is expected, which is, resonates with me because my grandfather would say, you have a responsibility to go out there and do the hard work, go do mm-hmm. it, and take some joy in doing that hard work. The work you both do is just amazing and you need to be you know, super applauded and, and, uh, and, and thank for all that, all that heavy lifting you're doing in, in the film space and the storytelling space you're in. 
Matt, does that happen when you're out there kind of designing these processes uh, with Mary and community? Is that intentional? Like, are you having these conversations out loud or are these things happening by accident or, or by design? And either way is fine as long as we get there. I'm just curious as to what that process looks like for you both. Yeah, that is a great question. I would say uh, it's a mixture of both, mainly because, uh, you know, outside of the advocacy work and outside of the filmmaking, you know, first and foremost, we're, we're friends. And I think that dialogue in terms of uh, uh, going through the journey of Highway of Tears, but really on For Love, uh, was was built out of that friendship and it was listening to each other and kind of, mm, yeah. uh, you know, voicing what was happening and what wasn't happening across the country. And I, I think it was kind of a thing, especially in following the, the work that Mary's been doing on, on the ground and really pushing legislation and, and getting communities to, to really change was how could we really showcase that, but also just showcase that love mm-hmm. that everybody has for their kids. Right. And, and I would say that really is, it's split right down the middle because a lot of it is outside of, you know, a traditional mode of thinking. It's just kind of joking around or just sharing, you know, personal experiences and then going along on it. And I think having that journey when we're talking here in terms of technology, um, you know, obviously always on the phone, uh, but but having that liberty for us to really go into communities but communicate beforehand expedites because we're able to have certain relationships whether it's on zoom right at the beginning before we're shooting to dive in and and spend you know we were always limited in terms of time that we had so it's it's building those stories and building those relationships very quickly and in terms of just building out a story i think the two of us together really formed out of an informal mode into really which i think is where the heart is essentially matt and i are a really good example of utilizing technology with the old ways i'm I'm not that old but i'm not like that technical savvy i'm not like a freaking elder i will never use that e-word ever i don't care if i'm 90 and then it's not gonna happen no, i i think uh, but matt is very like he's so astute like I, I think matt like i call him i i always say this he's my he's my brother from another mother because he really is, because he's got the Indian heart. He definitely does. And I think that's why we work so well together, because Matt is really, um, like, he's in L.A., so he's got sort of the pulse on what is kind of cool and the, the, all the, the different um, platforms and is very savvy at it. And thank God for that, because I'm not. I'm like, you can you stop me with you just getting these damn headphones working. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just go do it. Like, I just this is what I want, and this is what you're going to do, Matt. And so Matt is really good at that. But I think the, the connection that Matt has with um, the young people is it's just beautiful to see. Every community we went to, you know, Matt is there with them. You know, he's teaching them how to use a camera. You could see that mm-hmm. in the film, like when they're when they're running. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. So, it's really uh, looking at uh, Matt's values as a as as a person um, that align with non like with the indigenous ways of being. And and I think that's that's what's really cool is that we're going to need partners. Um, well, you know, we're, and of course you're going to know that we need partners. We need, uh, and I, I don't like this real word allies, but it is like um, mm. extended family 
that we've adopted into our into our clans, into our hearts to, to help us in this digital age, because we're not going to be able to do it alone. Eventually, right. we're going to master it and we're going to lead it. But right now, we, we, we need the mats of the world but <laughs> to help us. <laughs> we'll get rid of us later. <laughs> <laughs> the medium is the message. Um, there's so many implications for this. Mary, what do you think of this medium and taking risk here and and using this kind of space to tell stories in a way that have never been told before and using technology in a way that we haven't used before to kind of help build up and lift our people up? There's there's some risks there that that um, that it might be depleting or it might be extractive um, if we're not careful. Well, I think when you think about the importance of the message, right, the mm-hmm. messaging, I think when you look at the way that I was taught, the creator has given us all the skills, tools, innate abilities to make us who we are and, and unique. All the strength and all the ways of the way that we think, we're each unique in the way of thinking. All of those tools and abilities and traits the creator has given us, it, it's for us to pick up those tools mm-hmm in order for us to help each other, in order for us to make a good world. And so right now, let's think about what the priorities are. We know that the opioid crisis is killing our people, mm. or especially our young people. We know that. And where is that coming from? We know that it's the um, impacts of residential school and all the abuses that we've suffered. And so for us, the importance of the messaging for the young people, we need to use all the tools that we have. And the tools right now that we have is technology. It mm-hmm. is social media. Let's say it like that's you have them on the phone. Like you're always, we're always on the phone. We're always <laughs> yeah. on our soul. Let's, let's just, you know, we're always on it. I think the, the, that's what we need to look at. And so I know there is risk there. We understand that, you know, with mm-hmm. all of the, um, as I said before, the sort of the lateral violence, the peer pressure, we know that, but we have to really put our mind together to say, how do we utilize this tool that the creator has given us to better the lives of our children and those mm-hmm. that are yet to come? And that's what we need to think about. I think the messaging as well is that when we think about all the impacts of residential school and colonization and the abuses and the statistics, we know we're seven times more, I'm seven times more likely as an Indigenous woman to to go missing or be murdered, seven times Mm. more likely. Um, You know, youth are six times more likely to commit suicide. We have the highest rates of anxiety, depression, uh, all of these issues, physical Ill, Ill, illness, like we have um, these horrible statistics, but we have to make sure that our youth don't aren't defined by that. We have to make sure our people aren't defined by that, that I'm Indigenous because I am a strong Indigenous woman. I come from a long line of chiefs. I, this is me. This is, You have to instill that pride in our young people. It's not that I'm Indigenous because I've, I've been through all of these abuses and suffering. You saw that with... Um, you see that with one of the, uh, you know, uh, Mary Ellen Trapel Lafont mm. stating, you know, oh, I, I grew up um, in, uh, you know, Norway house and I, I saw all this violence and blah, 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 which was untrue. But she used that as if like all Indigenous yeah. people went through that and as if that defined us as an Indigenous woman yeah, yeah. or a Indigenous person, which mm-hmm. is totally bullshit. We are Indigenous because we have overcome that, because we're strong and we're resilient regardless of what happens. We have the strength of our ancestors in our blood, and that's why we are overcoming these atrocities that have happened to us, but it doesn't define us. I am Indigenous because of, uh, you know, where I come from, because of the land, my connection to that, to my people, not because of all of the 
issues that has happened because of residential school. And I think those are some of the, we really have to think about how do we get that messaging to the young people because they need mm. to be proud. Mm. And that's where this, that's where the strength of it, that's our film, you know, For Love speaks to that, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, when I, we were first talking about this film and I was proposing it to, to Matt is that I wanted it to, 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 to this film to be seen through the eyes of the child at the very beginning. What does that look like? What is it that our young people who have been in care, what have they suffered? What have I heard from them? Um, it's that, you know, they went through all this stuff. They went through abuses sometimes at the hands of their family. And so they had to be removed in some cases. But how do we turn that around to say, okay, in this film, look at this is where, where, where we came from. Let's acknowledge that pain. Let's acknowledge where it comes from. But this is who we are as people. And this is um, everything that we do as Indigenous people, is for love of our children. And that's the messaging that we need to get across. Wow, that was very powerful, Mary. Thank you so much for sharing that. We missed an opportunity to um, dovetail back and, and have Matt reflect a little bit on, a little bit further on how you've been his compass. It's been very similar for me, actually, in this journey with Lawrence. Lawrence and I have been working together for more than a year now. We've been podcasting together extensively and um, one of the things that I feel very blessed by is the fact that Lawrence has not only been that kind of um, empirical compass for me, as I've learned about indigeneity that I've been ignoring all of my adult life. Uh, he's been my emotional compass. He's been my spiritual compass. And so um, as we wrap up the episode, I'm curious, Matt, do you have any thoughts on what Mary has been reflecting on or a different perspective that you might want to share? I think it's a great question. Obviously, like Mary and I, and I've also, you know, witnessed Mary's sort of answer and what our relationship has been over the years. But I think, you know, it was uh, not at all the, the most unlikely of, of, uh, of friendships, but I think it's, it's one that's really grown and blossom. And uh, it's really my seeing the world through, through a different, light and i think especially throughout our process on this film in particular was was both of us kind of in in our lanes having dialogues in a certain sense we both come from from different worlds mm -hmm. and you know she she said it before in, in certain places where it's like oh you know this this happened to our people or let's put this into the film and i go well you know people haven't people don't know this part of the story you might know it because you're living it every day and i think mm -hmm. having a little bit of that healthy dialogue in terms of and i think that's where the collaboration comes in and 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 i think yeah i, I use that word lightly too in terms of the ally but it's in terms of friendship is learning more about the other person and and also not letting them take for granted some of the things that other people might not know to help them understand their situation. It's like any one of us, even in, in our four-way conversation here, we might not know, you know, what's happening outside of the box. And, and you know, we can only see what, what's there. And I, I think that's been one of the beautiful things of our, our friendship together is, is, is really ha being open to that dialogue. And, and we've tackled some pretty heavy topics. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the, the biggest part of that success is not forgetting to laugh and to have humor mm -hmm. and, and to enjoy the process because, you know, it, it is, and, and I've seen it not just with Mary, but everywhere we've gone, you know, across the country, 
no matter how hard it is, even in certain places in, in, in Attawapiskat, not losing that sense of, of humor and, and almost in a, in a French way, the joie de vivre, the, the, the life, uh, yeah. that's the thing that kind of keeps us going. And I, and I think probably one of the reasons the movie is successful in that sense is, is we, we feel that dialogue and, and trying to cover a lot in a very short time period, just like the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. amazing. Just simply amazing. I, I want to just say hands up uh, and thank you to, uh, to, 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 to both of you and, and to Matt for your kind words. I think just, uh, you know, just thank you for the work that you do and, and the heavy lifting you're doing to lift our people up and create that space that you're, that you are in a good way and doing it with love and, and generosity and, and a real intention. Um, and, and as, and I'm, and as we wrap here, as we kind of, kind of, uh, as we kind of let you go, uh, what, what is next? There's a couple of screenplays. I started, um, two so far, but we're going to be working on a couple of screenplays. Um, one more lighthearted and humorous. You have to remember that the two films that we did, um, has been very heavy. Um, so, you know, something, uh, more fun, um, more possibly more mainstream, I guess, uh, an actual film, like that's what I like to do. Like um, and my, Dumb and, and Dumber I, Part yeah. 4. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, of course, I'm always, I'm forever writing this book. I've just never finished this book. And, and the one chapter that I, I'm actually writing on is, um, is, uh, uh, my, my, when I traveled across Africa, lived in Africa and how I ended up in a Moroccan bath all naked and being scrubbed by a bunch of, um, Arabic women. And it was, that's my chapter working on now. So I'm doing, always doing something, but I think the, um, just this conversation before we end, I, I really think what, what Matt said it, and I, and I wanted to make that point is that we are the epitome of reconciliation because mm. Matt, right. Absolutely. I'd say, well, no, Matt, that's already, he goes, well, people don't know Mary. So he would say, you know this, they don't know this. We need to include that in the film. Mm-hmm. So you know, there had to be that give and take. So we are the, you know, a non-Indigenous man and an Indigenous woman. We are the epitome of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But when we think about Indigenous media, we really have to think what is the intent of the media. You know, we have to be yeah. very clear. You know, in some cases, it is, is it used to make our people laugh? Is it used to make our people um, heal? Mm-hmm. Is it used for recording our history? Is it used for reconciliation? Is it used for change? And we can never forget the power, the power of media when it comes to political pressure. I yeah. think you look at our last film, like the film before the Highway of Tears. I swear, I would, I don't think we would have been on the international stage had it not been for that film. Um, you know, we opened it up at the uh, the Toronto Film Festival, and so across Canada. Uh, people would come up to me and say, we never knew, we didn't know this was going on. And so we were able to influence change, you know, even the change.org when we 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 we, uh, we started that when we did the film. And we had, you know, almost, I think, 80,000 signatories right away. And, you know, so uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Thomas Mulcair, Margaret mm-hmm. Atwood, all of these people signed that petition to help us draft or to, to get a federal legislation drafted to end violence against indigenous women. So we know the political pressure um, that media can do. So we really have to be careful and intentional when we create anything in the digital in indigenous uh, digital uh, technology era. So I just, I, I really think that um, again, you know, possibly having that working group to develop those principles, to look mm-hmm. at what that looks like and to really be strategic as to how we're going to get that and ensuring that, you know, we're keeping our our children, our families protected, and also protecting our indigeneity as well. 